This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is Brian Reisman. Welcome to Side Jams, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Please subscribe to keep up with all my new episodes. I'd like to thank Pantheon sponsor AKG for their support of this podcast. I record side jams with their AKG Lyra microphone, and it won a NAM Tech Award this year in the recording microphone category. And that's a major audio industry accolade. Kudos. Hi, this is Elena from Leaves Eyes, and you're listening to Side Jams with Brian Reeson on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Since their inception in 2002, Epica has continually evolved their symphonic metal sound, which has culminated in their latest album, Omega. It is probably their most bombastic and organic release yet, featuring appearances by the City of Prague, Philharmonic Orchestra, and two Dutch choirs. Omega is the third and final part of the Metaphysical Trilogy, which also includes the Quantum Enigma and the Holographic Principle, and lead singer Simone Simmons delivers the soaring soprano vocals that are integral to the group's signature sound. Over the years, you may have also heard her making guest appearances on albums by the likes of Camelot, Arion, and Exit Eden. Simone has two other passions that also bring her joy. The talented singer has always loved makeup and beauty, and in recent years, she's become enamored with photography. For episode 38 of Side Jams, we spoke about how these two disciplines intertwine, how they have made her more aware of her presence on screen and on stage, the different cameras she prefers, and the types of pictures she likes to take. She has conducted pre-concert meet-and-greets where she shoots special portraits of fans, which has been an unusual and original way for her to interact with them. If you want to learn more about her beauty and fashion side, check out her Smoon-style website, while her photography can be seen on simonesimmons.com. That's Simmons with one M. I saw that uh, there's a Metal Hammer cover with you on it. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, we have a couple of cool covers. Uh, I'm collecting them now, so I'm proud moment always. What other covers are coming up over there? We have a couple of German covers. We have one in Belgium, one in the Netherlands. So Wow. So the, the long wait was worth it? All the hard work? Yes. <laughs> Just be a cover model. Let's <laughs> <laughs> do that. Well, it was interesting. I was you know, I'm watching the video for Rivers. It's like 70 millimeter, I think. If it was on film, I assume it was shot on video. Rivers, yes. yeah. So it's very widescreen, which seems to be slowly becoming a new trend. Why did you guys decide to do it that way? I think that must have been a decision from our videographer, not a conscious choice on my side or the band. I know that you're into photography and also you're into makeup and you do your own makeup and into beauty. So what was it like, especially because that entire video is focused on you. So mm-hmm. now that you're, you have that photographer's eye and you obviously know all about makeup and everything, what was it like knowing it was all going to be focused on you? How did you think about it differently? Well, originally it was supposed to be just a visualizer. I actually had no idea what a visualizer was. I knew normal videos and lyric videos, I guess. Yeah. Technology is catching up on me or new trends are <laughs> catching up. Starting to feel like a dinosaur in the metal world, but... Um, You're young. Yeah, I, st- I started young, but I'm I'm definitely not... Uh, or I've been in the business for a long time, but yeah, Jens, who created the video with me... Um, told me that it was basically just going to be a couple of impressions of me singing and that's it and 
I said, no, I actually have a lot of ideas that I want to do for the song. He's like, yeah, tell me. I'm interested, you know, and he just wanted to do it for the art, not necessarily, you know, it's a lot of extra work for him and for me as well. But it was the passion for the for the art that made us do it. So we met up a couple of times online, discussed some ideas. I created a mood board. I wrote down some shots that I wanted to take and brought some props from home with me and all the makeup I could find. That's cool. I uh, ordered, ordered my own clothes. So I was my own stylist, my hair and makeup artist, and also a little bit videographer because I had like ideas how to shoot certain scenes. Yeah, yeah. And it was a lot of fun. I get a lot out of those creative processes. To me, that's uh, like the cherry on the cake when it comes to creating an album, the photo shoot and the video shoots as well. Yeah, I know. We should, we should have a good time doing it. This is obviously closing out a trilogy. And it's, a, it's a long album too. It's like 70, 70 minutes. Yeah, you got, a, you got a lot of work for your money with Epica. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really, I particularly like Code of Life. I think I like the Eastern vibe to that. Yeah, uh, that's one of my favorites as well. And I like the closing track. I think I like horns in metal. Like I remember when I heard Celtic Frost to Megatherion and that was a lot eerier and weirder, but I like the way they used horns in there. Like it, I guess brass is heavier, so it kind of fits. Yeah, that's what I also liked back in the day with Within Temptation. They used that a lot as well in their earlier music. And that's something that that attracted me as well. Yeah, it's cool. I I figure you guys are getting more orchestral and more choral as you go along. So eventually it's just going to be an entirely acoustic orchestral album. (laughs) I figure it would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's a big part of our music. We're a symphonic metal band. We mix in different metal styles, but in essence... Yeah, the choir and the orchestra take up uh, a lot of space in the music. Obviously, I've been checking out your photography mm-hmm. on your website. How long have you been doing photography for? It started uh, when I also started my blog, Moon Style. That was in 2010. That's mm-hmm. also when I got my first DSLR. I started with Nikon because my, I think my dad had one as well. Okay. And I wanted to be like, everybody has Canon. I have to get a Nikon. But that was a heavy beast, and I traded it in for a Canon. I made the <laughs> switch. Yeah, I guess when I had my son seven years ago, I became more and more interested in taking portraits because to me that was the ultimate way to make sure he would stay like Peter Pan. He would never grow up because I would have those photos of him as a baby, and they changed so fast. So. Mm. I'm glad that I did that. And that's when it started to become more interesting to me, not just to take photos of my own son, because you, of course, think he's the most beautiful, cutest baby ever. (laughs) But I love people and faces and, you know, especially also not average beauty with perfect symmetry faces, but just everybody and, and also characteristic faces. So I started taking photos of my family members, my friends, my bandmates. I have an uncle living in San Francisco. He's 92, but he has a really... Wow. Yeah, he has great bone structure. So I asked if I could take photos of him. And that's also one of my favorite portraits. I love black and white, but I'm also going to do or publish more work like color photos because I know black and white, it's a niche. I love it. It makes my heart beat faster, but not... It's not everybody's cup of tea and it's hard to stand out in the world of black and white with so many photographers that are doing that style. 
It's tricky. Well, it's funny too because I I think about like kids today not watching many black and white films. Like I can watch older movies because I grew up as a kid in the '80s, so we still had a lot of black and white stuff being shown on TV. But these days, it's like I don't I don't know how many younger people like to watch black and white movies. And then there's also the whole thing of I've I've met some younger people who just can't watch movies from before they were born. Like it was before like 2000 or the uh, '90s, and I'm like, oh guys, really? But that that's that's very uh, narrow minded. Well, I, I think mean, there are younger people that like 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 the stuff that I grew up with, but you know everything is so sophisticated now. I mean, even the cameras. Like, I'm you're, I'm assuming you're shooting digital. Yes. Yeah, and so like. No, I do have a Polaroid now as well. <laughs> yeah, those are fun. Mm. You know, that's definitely from the, from the past. It's funny how all the old stuff comes back. Like cassettes have come back. <laughs> yeah, LPs are making a comeback as well. Even though I don't have the means to play my LPs, they're still on cellophane, but. To me, of course, it's like collecting my own work, I guess, my discography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. I still have my turntable, but I haven't played vinyl in a long time. But I know people who go out and spend 20 bucks on an album. I'm like, really? Wow. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. You know, getting back to your photography, I mean, I, I definitely noticed there's a lot of joyous faces here. And it's, a lot of people are very peaceful. Mm-hmm. There's a certain vibe. Are you aware of that when you're doing that? Or is that just what comes out when you're taking portraits of people? Well, I... When I'm going through the photos, I just let them be themselves. Yeah. I talk to them and it's mostly the photos in between the posing that are the most candid ones and the ones that I like. And if I start going through the photos, the ones that give me like an emotional reaction, that's those are the ones that I would like to edit further. But those are not always the ones that the subject themselves like. Because, of course, I look at the person differently than how they look at themselves. It's the same when I have photos taken of myself. I have my favorites and I have my reasons for it. So I can understand yeah. both sides. But I like like pensive people, like looking in the distance or just looking straight into the camera. But I also love a candid laughter, smile, moment of joy, as you said. It, yeah. It's just what comes out. I don't have a strategy. I do notice that with photo shoots, by the end of the photo shoot, a person is more relaxed, and that's when you start to get the better photos. Mm. But sometimes it's it's the very first photo that I take that I like the most. So I don't know. I don't have a formula for it. I know you have some of your friends here. There's Annika and Giersbergen and Christina Sagabia mm-hmm. from Lacuna Coil. Is it easier to shoot people you know, or is it actually more challenging? It's a little bit of both because they have more experience. But then on the other hand, they're like, yeah, but you're my friend. And then they suddenly feel insecure or they feel weirded out that I am taking their photo. I don't know. Um, but I like it that it's a spontaneous thing that we do on the road. And I have my own little photo studio at home where I do hair and makeup. And I have my lighting equipment on tour. I don't have that. And... I also prefer to do the makeup of the model so okay. I can depict them the way I would like. But on the other hand, it's also nice when they do their own makeup and clothing. You know, that's how they are. But I recently did a little family shoot with a friend of mine and her son. Uh-huh. And I just made them wear white, all white. So the only thing you could see are their, their faces, their expression and the clothing. Hmm. Or excess or, or lack of makeup is, is not a distraction. You know, I like to keep it natural. But on the other hand, I love editorial stuff as well, like freaky makeup. But, but with clothing, I like to keep it minimal and basic. Do not distract too much from the person's face. 
Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Everyone sort of has a different approach to things. Now, you picked Nikon originally. My dad actually has been a photographer all his life, and he started, I mean, he shot on film a long time ago, and he had a Nikon, so I've always been a Nikon guy. Mm. What are the, what's the difference which, for you between Nikon and Canon, other than the lighter body? What's the difference in the quality or the picture quality, the colors? Well, I haven't touched a Nikon for a long time, and I do like to watch tech videos where they're discussing the newest models and... Um, I remember back in the day shooting with a Nikon 700, no, 750, 700, I don't know. Roy Khan used to have a really expensive Nikon. I just had like an entry-level DSLR. Yeah. I had the Nikon D60. That's the first one that I got. And he had the bigger one. The D60 is also a crop camera, crop sensor camera. And uh, that's... 14 years ago or something like that. And I remember taking photos with that. And I think Nikon might be more true to life color science. Yeah. Canon is a little bit more vibrant, more saturated. But I don't only shoot Canon. I shoot Sony, Fuji, and Panasonic as well. So oh, I wow. have four, <laughs> four <laughs> different cameras. And the tricky thing is I, I love them all for different reasons. Mm-hmm. but they all have different menus and buttons. And I try to make the buttons and the controls the same way on each camera. Mm-hmm. But the best camera is the one you have at hand. It has sometimes your, your phone, like for the quick moments. But yeah. when I'm in a shooting in a studio professionally, I always use Canon. Uh, when I'm outside, I take my Sony with me Okay. or my Fuji. I have a smaller Fuji that I love for when I'm traveling. I don't like to log the big Canon with me. When I was pregnant seven years ago with my son, that's when I still had an icon. Okay. And I had a huge zoom lens. So I was pregnant seven months and then schlepping around that huge Nikon on our holiday. And I remembered like oh, my neck was hurting. Everything was hurting. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I don't do anymore. I don't, if I take my bigger cameras, I just take a small lens with me not like the big zoom lens because that makes a big difference. One of my favorite lenses is a, it's a pancake 40 millimeter 2.8, uh-huh. but it's, it's tiny, but it's actually the perfect focal length for, for traveling for portraits as well. For my blog, when I'm shooting myself, I mostly take my Panasonic for that because I operate all cameras with the app that comes with it on my phone or on my iPad. And each app has different things that you can adjust to the camera. And the tricky thing with with Sony is that you cannot focus using the app. And if you don't have the flip screen, you just don't know where the focus lies. And I had so many failed self-portrait sessions with the Sony that I almost threw it out of the window because of it. But it's an amazing camera if somebody else is holding it, but not if you have to take self-portraits. I'm trying to think when the selfie actually started. We did that, you know, back in the day, you would just hold your camera out really far and it just became mm-hmm. a thing with phones, particularly. I hate the word selfie. I hate it. You know, it's funny because, I mean, the iPhone does some amazing stuff. And at the same time, it's sort of like the thing of people assuming that they have a camera, they're not a photographer, or if they, you know, they have a blog, they're a writer and all this stuff. And it, there's a little bit more involved. I and mean, you can take some great pictures, but it's nice to have to think a little bit more about what you're taking. Yeah, if I, if I put the camera on auto, I'd never like the photos that come out of it. So do you, you set the f-stop? You set the exposure? I shoot manual almost all the time. Oh, that's cool. So you're learning more as you go along. Yeah. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And the thing is, if uh, somebody else is taking photos of me that doesn't know how to operate the camera, 
I always have to check in between because they don't know what overexposed or underexposed is or if they miss focus. What I did today with my husband as well. It's a Russian roulette. Sometimes it works, <laughs> sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I went to film school, so I took a, a photo course. Of course, that was like the late 80s, so I ended up really shot on film, and I had to really learn how to manipulate things. In the dark room, and doing all the prints and dealing with all the chemicals, it was a very different thing. My father's actually impressed with the resolution of a lot of digital cameras, but I think he still prefers the old school thing where you have to go in, the, you have to go in there and you think about it and manipulate the image. Um, you mm-hmm. can do some great things now. It's incredible. Sometimes, though, isn't it funny when you travel, though, you can take I get distracted because I take too many photos. So I was like, well, I got to take a picture of this and this and this. And then you're like, wow, I just took a thousand photos in four days. <laughs> yeah, but I uh, I am also the annoying photographer that stays behind to take photos. Everybody or my husband and my son are like, oh, not again. But now that I have more time, I started making photo books of all of our holidays. Ah. And especially in a time now where we cannot travel, those are like real treasures to have those photos and it takes you back to those memories and those are some of the most precious things we have in life those are our memories yeah so i always take two cameras with me when i'm traveling and mainly that's a canon and uh fuji or did i have the fuji back then i don't know if i actually had the fuji i always have two cameras with me with multiple lenses in case i can't choose that's my my way to go (laughs) Yeah, I remember going on trips and just even even if it's just one camera, sometimes your shoulder does get tired if you're carrying it around all day. Yeah, that's why I have uh, the smaller Fuji, but that one broke down on me a couple of times. Oh, no. I had to send it back to be repaired. So I don't trust it anymore. I guess that's why having two cameras with me started. Uh, yeah, no, I think one holiday I took my Panasonic with me, but those batteries don't last very long and I forgot to bring the charger. Oh, no. So then I switched and I always took my uh, my Canon with the with the pancake lens. And those are the photos that I have from the holiday. That's another book that I intend to make. But that's like two years ago. So you actually print them out then? Yeah, I make, I just use an app. I edit them on my computer and then I use an app on the iPad or on the iPhone. And I just have like small photo books made for my holidays. That's cool. Yeah, I stopped put, printing out photos in 2007. So I have almost 15 years now where I have to go back. And, I, and I'm looking at all the photos I took like, oh, I'm never going to figure out what it is. I'm going to because it's it's amazing. You can take a lot of cool shots and then you get attached to certain things. And some of them are just terrible. You're like, yeah, that's a terrible pose. But when you shoot a lot more, then it becomes a little trickier. I mean, I, when I had a little point and shoot back in the 80s and 90s, you only took so many photos because it cost a lot of money to develop film. And now, hmm. you know, you yeah, you think more about it and now you can shoot into infinity. Oh, exactly. But still, you know, it's, it's great to have it. I mean, how much time do you get to do photography on the side? Is it something you want to do as a side business also, like taking portraits of people? Or are you doing that? Yeah, I have been doing that for the last uh, three years. I also do it when I'm on tour. I offer these Simone style, like makeup and photo shoot. Okay. I do it only for four dates during a tour and then I have two sessions max during those days or just one so it's very exclusive okay it's a little bit of combination of a meet and greet and you know quality time with me and I take the portraits and five retouched images like high resolution I mainly just go around the venue and check for nice locations and just shoot and just shoot it's a little bit freestyle but uh, I always love the photos that I get afterwards I mean it's an unusual setup 
because yeah. the fans are often intimidated at first. But I think it's a nice way for me to get more practice. And I have a big passion for makeup and photography and like that, you know, I could also continue doing that on tour. And I also had a spontaneous shoot with one of the bouncers of a venue while I was having one of those moon style uh, shoots. Yeah, yeah. And that's the woman. She's called Angela. And I asked her if I could take her phone and she was totally like not expecting it, but she had such a cool poker face. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I like that photo uh, still a lot. I would maybe now would edit photos differently or retouch them differently than I did back then. But that's also a technique that you develop over the years. So how has doing photography made you think about makeup and beauty differently? Has it changed the way that you do makeup on yourself or the way that you think of yourself in front of the camera or on stage? Well, I know my angles, what works well, which poses and uh, which makeup looks good or enhances natural features. And that's also a makeup that I prefer to do on clients. In the beginning, when I did the Simone style photo makeup and photo shoot, I let them choose between which kind of makeup they wanted. And of course, they also wanted to have like stage makeup. Okay. But that is not the kind of portraits that I like to do. I either go like really crazy makeup or just really natural toned down minimal makeup to enhance the natural features and not change someone's appearance. Yeah, I know. It's interesting when you see some people without the makeup, like they're entirely different. You're like, whoa. Yeah, makeup is a powerful tool. And it's also it's an art in itself, I think. Like I'm a big fan of the goth subculture and there's definitely people there. It's like an entirely different, they create an entirely different persona for themselves, actually. Yeah, I think it's it's absolutely fascinating and uh, everybody should do whatever they feel like. It's a creative process and you can wash it off in the evening. That's what I like about it. If you had like a favorite look that you've done so far, like either on a photo shoot or in a video, a favorite look that you really like for yourself? I really like the, the makeup for the last photo shoot that we done with Tim and also my... For rivers, I like the blue makeup and I don't plan too much the makeup that I want to do. I do mood boards or send other people things that I like, but I still freestyle a lot and uh, improvise when I'm actually getting ready. I don't mind getting dirty for the rivers video shoot. We used a lot of silver flakes and I used eyelash glue to attach it to my neck and chest. And I, yeah. then I had it on my fingers but it actually looked cool. It looked like I intended it, but it was just the pro- the creative process that led me to that that was not planned at all, but it looks great. Suffering for your art. Well, there's worse things. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, no, I, I think the photography thing is a cool side jam, actually. I feel like everyone should have a creative outlet anyway. I mean, you already have your creative outlet with music, but then I think it's nice to have this as well. Is there any type of photography that you'd like to do or is there any kind of ideal photo shoot you'd like to do, something you've been thinking about? I do like fashion shoots as well. Uh, I love natural lighting, but I like fashion, editorial fashion shoots. That's also a little bit what we started to incorporate for the Epica latest shoot. Okay. That was because Tim also loves to do fashion and he did the book with the historical portraits. It's just called Portraits, but he took photos of famous musicians and I was Queen Elizabeth. Oh, wow. So he had outfits made for us and the majority of the metal scene is in the book. He also loves fashion. So for the newest Epica shoot, it was very clean and simple, but with very 
fashion like lighting and i like that a lot yeah these are cool mm -hmm. i've seen some photos here there's some cool photos here definitely puts you in another time period mm -hmm. i sort of argue that movies are about the closest thing we can get to time travel in a way just because of all the different elements sound and film and everything but i guess mm -hmm. that's that's it for you right getting to sort of play a character yeah i mean the movie elizabeth with kate blanchett is also one of my favorite movies of all time and kate blanchett is one of my favorite actresses and Tim had a dress made just for me for that shoot. So that was uh -huh. really special. And we were in a church in Belgium. Wow. So the location, everything was, it was really, it was a nice project. And um, I'm also up to do that. You know, I don't mind being in front of the camera. I like both, like to be behind the camera and in front of the camera. But whenever we have, whenever I have photo shoots, I also pay attention to what the photographer is doing. That's how I learned, basically, um, by doing it myself, by asking all the photographers we worked with. I did lots of workshops. and But you can read all the books. You have to know how to handle the camera. You have to understand lighting. But there's still so, much, so many other technical things that you, yeah, you just need to, how do you say, fail and <laughs> make <laughs> mistakes and learn from that and develop your own style. And that changes. And of course, you become better while you're doing it. Well, you have to be willing to fail. I think you have to learn that you know things don't always work out. That's uh, so why I think some people are afraid to do things. They don't want to fail. But that's how you learn and then how you move forward. And you have to embrace that mm -hmm. at a certain point. And I think that a lot of successful artists, too, are very, like successful people are very impulsive. And a lot of times it's good. Sometimes it's not, not always good. You jump into something and go, oops, I probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah, but the great thing with photography is that I am a little bit of control freak and like perfectionist. I am chaotic at the same time, but I find it hard when I do photos that not all the photos are good. You know, there are always a couple that you just have to quickly throw away. But I think even professional successful photographers use only like five to 10% of the photos that they actually take. And the rest is just, you know, you cannot edit all the photos you cannot keep all the photos no and i sometimes get anxiety picking the right photos because of the fact that i want everything to be good but it it's not it's not realistic i was thinking about the fact that you talk about sometimes the best poses you get are actually between sort of the official poses when people don't necessarily think they're being photographed or you catch them in a natural moment yes maybe the trick is to make them think that they're doing one thing and then you capture them doing another and that's really how you want to how the, you want the world to see them yeah, I mean, especially for people that are not professionals in front of a camera, that's the best way to do it. But to also mirror poses and show them what they can do. I mean, I have the luck that I have a lot of experience in front of the camera, so I can also share that experience. But it can be very intimidating to be in front of a camera. And I always like to talk to the people I'm shooting um get to know them a little bit. I crack a lot of jokes, so I get to have them, you know, smile and laugh and just uh, be distracted a little bit. I guess that's that's a good trick to do it. And sometimes, I mean, it's, it's a lot of psychology that comes to play with it as well. You have mm -hmm. to know how to communicate with people, have to make them feel at ease. That's what I think. I mean, Annie Leibovitz said that it's not my job to make them feel comfortable. I mean, that's not how you capture their essence. But I, I don't know. Every every photographer has a different working style. For me, it's also the experience, the person getting their photos taken and that they feel good about themselves 
themselves and that they're, you know, that gives them a little boost of confidence. I'm not there to make them feel miserable. And I'm not so much into taking photos of people crying or showing aggressive emotions. I also don't like photos of journalists that are traveling into poor areas or war zones. Mm -hmm. I don't, I cannot watch those kind of photos. That's not what I'm interested in. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're having a good time with it. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, that's the whole thing about it. It should be fun for both parties. <laughs> no, definitely. Well, thank you. Thank you for chatting. I'm glad we got the chance to do this. You're welcome. It's Saturday night too, but I guess you know, in pandemic world. <laughs> I'm going to bed early. I am tired. I woke up really early this morning. When you have a chance to sleep in, you wake up early. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I'm seeing my girlfriend's night. We're basically just going to stay in with the cat. That sounds nice. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Simone. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Then you have a great day. You too. Have a great rest of the weekend. Hopefully we'll see you on tour. Uh, hopefully later 2021 or 2022. I guess 2022, yes. I have a feeling so. Okay. Thank you. <gasps> All right. Bye. That wraps up this latest episode of Side Jams. Please join me for the next installment, which will feature Michael Sadler from Saga. The tunes used in this episode are from Fox and the Law, and I license them through AudioSocket. Thank you very much for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.